Welcome to BFC Live, the daily video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. BFC Live highlights the company's brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis sector. Learn more at businessofcannabis.com. Coming up on this BOC Live, we connect with Mike Beaudry. He is the founder and CEO of Herbal Solutions, a leading distributor of cannabis products in California. We wanted to connect with him about his company, about how they started, where they are today, and where they might be going. So enjoy this BOC Live conversation with Mike Beaudry. Mike Boudry, thanks for being here. Thanks, Jay. Well, uh, we were just chatting before we came on that uh, we are from the same small sliver of earth uh, in uh, New England. I'm from Boston, you're from Rhode Island. So uh, what what brought us to Toronto and brought us you to, to Santa Barbara, um, well, I don't know if it brought you to Santa Barbara, but we're gonna talk about weed yeah. today. And, we and weed distribution, logistics, uh, serving a market. Is that okay with you? Sounds great. Tell us a little bit about herbal Tell us a little bit about Herbal. You're the founder and CEO, obviously, but tell us a little bit about the business and a little bit of the origins of the business as well. Sure. So my background, Jay, is in supply chain distribution. Um, the correlation of really the, I'd say the genesis of starting Herbal was based out of, I spent 10 years at a company called United Natural Foods, also known as UNFI, uh, New England-based, you know, headquartered company leading distributor of organic natural products in the country. I was there for 10 years, half of that time, close to half that time, I, I led operations for the company um, nationally. And then for five years, I was president from 05 to 2010. Um, spent another five years post that as a CEO of a company that was in uh, dietary supplements. So we did dietary supplements for food, drug, mass and Costco and Walmart and Sam's, et cetera. In that five year period, uh, post UNFI, I started looking at cannabis. Um, I was the kid in high school that smoked more weed than most. Um, and uh, I was fascinated that it may maybe becoming a legal thing. So in 2014, I spent a lot of time doing some diligence and um, liked what I was reading and went to a trade show in Vegas, uh, November of 14, completely fell in love, felt like, you know, this is, if this actually is going to happen, it's something I have to be part of. Um, so in that in the year between November 14 and 15, um, spent a lot of time just continuing that kind of diligence and from afar, went back to the trade show in November 15, fell back in love um, to the point where resigned from my job in December of 15, moved to California in February of 16, um, and began the quest. I didn't quite know what that quest would be. I just knew that um, I felt it, things were moving very fast in one year's time at that trade show was a tremendous difference. Um, and if I was going to be part of it, I needed to do it. And I strongly felt that it's not, not something I could miss. So um, moved to California, to Santa Barbara, California, February of 16, and began what ended up a almost two and a half year journey, uh, full-time diligence on the cannabis industry in California. So making friends and building relationships, really refining a model, I'd say, of what the business could look like. Certainly started at foundationally understanding the legacy of the industry and, and all the hard work that went into building you know, the industry and, and frankly, paving a road for someone like me to show up. So um, that was in, you know, so from February of 16 to August of 18 was that full-time diligence and then launched the business in August one building in Santa Rosa, California. 
um, subsequent to that, it's been really two and a half now, almost three years of, of a pretty fast sprint. Uh, we've grown to have five buildings in three different locations in the state of California uh, with a leading distributor of, of cannabis in the state. Um, we have a couple of hundred people uh, on the team, 40 trucks, um, and uh, learned a lot and still learning and still uh, thrilled to be part of this exciting industry. In the, it's an amazing story. In the diligence component, which which was over years and in different places, like were you saying, you know, this is an industry that is so new and it does come from legacy roots, but it's so new in terms of uh, commercialization and and distribution. And were you looking like none of the normal facets of an industry are in place, right? That's There's no correct. way to distribute it. There's no way to like house it, right. house it, get it to market. And like, was that? Was it striking or was it where you're just eyes open saying we're going to fill some of these gaps and this is how we're going to do it? And um... I, I, I felt like I honestly felt like I went through a time machine when I went to the trade show in November of 14. I felt in some ways it must have been what it looked like in 1980 in the natural products industry where I spent a decade, small independent brand, you know, really, frankly, just trying to hustle and and grid it out and, and turn their product into something that, uh, you know, was on shelves. Um, and, and I felt like, you know, if I, my thesis was basically that if we don't all get arrested and if this actually turns into an industry that's, that's actually legal uh, and we can do this, that I, I felt at the time, and I still believe today, it turns into a much more conventional um, supply chain, uh, which I have a, you know, a good amount of experience in. So my, my whole goal early was to build this team of folks who have deep understanding of cannabis and specific to California, certainly for now. Um, so we've got a bunch of people on the team that have spent uh, many, many years in the cannabis trade mixed with folks like myself that have you know, pretty deep experience in, in scaled supply chains uh, and put the two together. But that was really the um, you know, that, that early moment was really the trade show. And then looking in the, the analogies between the natural products industry and, and what I thought would become, you know, how cannabis would evolve. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause we always, we talk about a lot on our channel and all of our programming, sort of what is the best analogy of a sector to cannabis? And is it, is it natural products? Is it alcohol and beverage? Is it tobacco and some components? Is it, is it, um, you know, is, it, is it pharma like is it, yeah. or is it a little bit of all those things atop or, or layered on sort of new regulations which in many cases I think are burdensome and inefficient or like and I guess when you look at it is it a is it a combination of all those things or is it exactly like what you thought it would be coming from natural products I'd say it's a combination early on I thought it was it would it would follow in parallel path extremely close which and I think in a lot of ways it does, but I think some of the regulatory aspects of it, the way in which the ground game and sales works in the alcohol industry, as an example, is different than how, how it was done in the natural industry. So um, I think it's really a combination of several, um, but I still feel an extreme strong lean into the natural products, because if you think about the natural products industry, grocery stores were around forever, right? And then spotted and dotted around the country with these little independent natural food stores. Um, you know, everybody thinks of it today in Whole Foods and go to Costco and see all the organic foods. I was in the space when you couldn't find an organic product at Costco, Walmart, Sam's, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it wasn't that long ago that it made the shift. 
So before that, if you were a small independent natural foods brand, you had 10,000 independent natural food stores to sell to, and then you needed a supply chain to support that. So I think the, you know, looking at it through that lens is where I saw so many of the analogies that, that I've drawn and parallels that I've drawn over the last five years of, of actually seeing it real live. But, but I have, I've got a lot of friends in the industry now that have come from other industries and I do see some of the parallels, um, you know, that you spoke about. Yeah. And thinking about the distribution and thinking about California specifically, because it, it's such a diverse, well, it's a massive state. It's a diverse state <laughs> geographically, uh, topographically, like almost in any, any capacity. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's not like even a, a small country. country. It's a big country. Yeah. Um, and thinking about that, um, like how, what has been striking about the evolution of the supply chain of which you're an important part of it? Like what has been the biggest change from like, well, the trade show from 2014 to now, but, but actually since you've been in business, like what, what, how, how professionalized has that supply chain gotten? And in what massively, I mean, the difference, the difference is staggering in such a short amount of time. If you think about five years ago in 2016, when I got here, if you went into a dispensary, largely it was still jarred product um, you know, selling by the gram or selling by the eighth. Um, and they'd put it into a package, you know, whether it's plastic or, or a jar and they'd sell it to you. And there was very few, you know, I'll say CPG type products on the shelf and branded products on the shelf. So I've watched that convert. I watched, you know, vapes became obviously a very large component of the, of the sales. Um, that was virtually none in 2016 or very small. Um, so there's been a lot of changes and a lot of professionalization, I'd say on, on every level, really the retail level. Um, I, and I, I certainly think track and trace and all of the regulatory aspects that come from the legal market have demanded that. Um, but uh, in a very short amount of time, we've seen, it's almost like quantum leaps. It's almost like each quarter of the year, um, a year goes by, you know, in this, in the industry. So uh, I'd say, if you looked at it today, if you came into one of our warehouses, they look largely like a classic distribution of a food warehouse, if you will, climate controlled and same type of racks, smaller versions of them because our, our products are smaller, uh, high value, smaller in cube and weight. So, but I think, I think what you'd find today in, in 2021 is a, is a business that largely looks like other, you know, conventional uh, distributors. Yeah. I want to sort of leapfrog and blue sky a bit because um you know, you're operating in California. It is a massive, it's the biggest market. It is super diverse. It's got the full supply chain, like all the states do in their own sort of bubble. Um, but it's impossible not to notice what's happening in DC and actually in other states too. And, and we're doing an event um, tomorrow talking about South Dakota. And South Dakota now needs to set up a mini version of what happens in California, yeah. supply chain, all the things, yeah. but with a much smaller market, right? It's much more difficult to do. Like how would you and your business, but even anybody thinking about it, thinking about a country that is where, you know, imagine it's legal. It can grow where it's best to grow. It can move where it's best to sell like a, like natural products, actually. Yeah. Like, like how, how do you, what would be the steps to get to that on a national level? Like what, how could you, know, you achieve that? Here's one of the biggest differences, and it's and it's really if you liken it to um, alcohol distribution, this is where it gets real similar. That's a state by state regulated industry, and largely, and, and my my understanding is almost every state minus a couple, you have to be within the confines of the state to operate and, and distribute alcohol within the state. Um, let's just pretend for a second that remains here from a distribution perspective. Um, that would put 
Herbal or a company like ours with a limited set of markets early on because of the fact that um, if you think about a liquor distributor, they're going to all of the restaurants, events, uh, liquor stores, et cetera, et cetera, and, and there's tens of thousands in a state, right? Uh, if you take my home state of Rhode Island, I, I think there's five or six dispensaries today. Um, I can't set up a distribution company to service five or six dispensaries. So um, there's, there's going to be inherently some differences in how this rolls out. I would think that, you know, a brand, my, my opinion, ultimately a brand will be able to ship state, you know, to, across state lines to another state, to a distributor or to a license holder to, you know, bring it to the state, just, just as alcohol does today. But from a pure logistics and supply chain, I think it's going to be starting at the biggest markets. Um, and then as this thing unfolds, maybe I could envision a future where, you know, certain states work together. So a distributor can, you know, do it like a tri-state or, you know, uh, some type of multi-state format where they could put a distribution center in, in Connecticut and service New York and Rhode Island and Connecticut type of thing. Um, I would envision something like that. But in the, in the near term, it really, our focus is going to be going across the country and focusing on the larger markets that can support uh, a distributorship uh, early on. Yeah. And then you think of it almost from the brand perspective of, you know, you, you look at the you know, the top 10 sellers in different states. And, yep. and there are brands that replicate, I mean, they're operating in their own little bubbles, but there, there are brands crossing states. And, and right. I like in that, like we used to work, I used to work in Silicon Valley. Um, and, you know, there was a Budweiser distributor that had basically the monopoly on Budweiser and they yep. also sold Snapple and like all the other things. Like, can you imagine a situation where there's like these, these distributors, I guess, or these hubs that serve a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of brands that are, yeah, quasi monopolist quasi monopolies in this in this given jurisdiction servicing yeah. basically just dispensaries first but you can I mean imagine events and imagine all the things that the liquor does yeah that could happen from here yeah it's going to be a really interesting to watch it unfold um and so much is going to be really um subject to what the how the regs ultimately unfold you know whether it's is it truly state by state does do the feds do something that's a little different than alcohol maybe expand it you know, into something that it's, uh, it's not yeah. defined as state by state. So, but it's, it's going to be a minute to work all that out, I think. <laughs> Probably. Uh, and, 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 um, you know, will it'll be interesting to mark, uh, you're thinking about the, the, the trade show in Las Vegas from your first time to, to well, I think this is going to be in October, like yeah. thinking about that and, and having leapfrogged a year, having not been in Vegas last year, yeah. like thinking about where the sector will be going back to your early days, 2014, like getting back to Vegas and see what it is. I mean, I think the last one I went to was 2019 and it was a lot of, um, I would say back-end machinery. I think it was yeah. describe, like yeah. shiny picks extraction. Yeah, it was a very picks and shovels type show. Yeah, yeah. but I wonder if, if in October it'll be, I don't know what it'll be, but like, what, yeah. do you have any sense of what it'll be? I think it'll be, from what I understand thus far, at least something markedly similar. It is a, I think, you know, if you think about trade shows and I spent a lot of time in natural products Expo West in Anaheim. Yeah. If you think about the trade shows as the large ones grow, especially in a central location or, or a good location like Vegas, they become an epicenter for meetings more than the trade show floor itself. Uh, it's just a great place to go and, and knock out, you know, tremendous amount of touch points with people. So, you know, we're not going to actually display at the, at the MJ, um, but we will have a decent sized team that attends and um, we're probably going to do a party you know, we'll do a, we'll host a party and something fun like that, but. Send, um, send Mike note. <laughs> a Boston type party too. So. Oh, really? Oh, see now, 
Yeah, you might like <laughs> Bring my Red Sox cap, be a whole thing. <laughs> Sir Fenway Franks, now we're no. talking. No, see, I know I could get you to go. <laughs> well, Mike, I really appreciate the time. I, I love learning about the business. Look forward to seeing you in Vegas at the Boston yeah. party. Uh, but but good luck to you as, as things uh, go from now to then. And as uh, I was saying, you know, as, as we open up, but certainly as as the U.S. is way ahead of us in terms of opening up. But but as that happens and uh, as the industry shifts dramatically, even over the next couple of months. Yeah, fantastic. Jay, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity. Good. Nice meeting you. Uh, nice meeting you. That was Mike Beaudry, the founder and CEO of Herbal Solutions. If you like this program, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you heard the show. It helps support the work we do. Thank you for joining us on B of C Live today. We're able to do what we do thanks to our ongoing partners, including Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, Headset, Gallagher, and Torque and Maine.